Hello everyone, my name is Drew Tippett, and I'm the host of The Musician's Muse, a platform where musicians get to tell the stories they want to tell and connect with their fans. You just heard Silky and Smooth by the band Huckleberry Funk, who I interviewed on today's episode. Huck Funk is a band formed of five members and based out of Bloomington, Indiana. On the podcast, I had Dexter Clardy, their lead singer, and Mike Gronsky, their guitarist. We covered a variety of topics, starting with how they formed, insights into their songs On My Feet, and Unity, how they define funk, and their overall mission as a band. Well, my name is Dexter Clardy. I'm the lead singer for the band Huckleberry Funk, and uh, yeah, this is this is this is the talk, man. Um, we have members Alex Dura, who plays keys and saxophone. Uh, we have Byron Bowler, who is our drummer. Bubble Guts, shout out to you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Matthew McConaughey on bass. He also is our MD and CJ Smith, CL Management. Shout out to you. He's our manager. What's up, Mike? How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Wait, am I totally spacing out, or did you not mention me? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> Intentionally. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry. Rough start. Um, <laughs> my name is Mike Gronsky, and uh, I'm the guitar player for Huckleberry Funk. Long story short, how the how Huckleberry Funk came together. Um, was many moons ago, there was a band called the Band Sweeney in Bloomington. And then along the line, they needed a guitar player for a show. So I got pulled into it, started playing, became friends with some of the people in that band, uh, particularly the drummer, who was our original drummer in Huckleberry Funk, Lex Lindsay. And um, then from there, we basically tore down one band, um, which could definitely be uh, part of many meanings of our first album, The Teardown, which we can get to later. Um, but yeah, Sweeney pulled apart in just a very normal way, nothing dramatic. And then uh, people like Alex came on board, and he originally just played saxophone in the band, but now he's a keyboard, our keyboard player and an incredible one at that. Uh, so he does both of those things. And uh, then Dex, you came you on board? Had, you guys had Matt. We had Matt. Yeah, Matt came along, our bass player. Uh, then Dex, and then our good friend Brennan Johns, who now lives in Los Angeles. He's uh, freelancing music, writing, recording. He's profound. Uh, but I mean, that's kind of, it, it just took time. We all We all got closer, again, largely through the Soul Review. And it was like, okay, play a few shows. We're like, hmm, man, we could really use like some keyboard. And like, oh, it'd be fun to have some horns. And that's how it got pulled together. It wasn't any magical process, just right. people getting close. One thing I'll, I'll speak to is uh, he said, how did you know this was like the right people to, to get in a band with? And the thing is, you don't. You never, you never. You just We're still not sure. Never, yeah, you never fucking know. Literally, it's, yeah. I mean, and and it's, 
And this isn't even a, a knock to anybody that isn't with us anymore. Mm -hmm. It's mm -hmm. just that as you're trying to build something, you learn what people's, you know, how big of how big they see it happening mm -hmm. versus how big you see it. And, and the ones that see the same vision or even a similar vision are the ones that stick together and stick it out and make it happen. Now that we heard how the band formed, we move into the details of the story behind the song On My Feet. A song written by the band, Without Dex, about one of Dex's relationships. Time and time I tried to make you smile Girl, I would run a mile barefooted on broken glass Just to be by your side, but you're the one that keeps me on my feet I'd met her all the way back in high school. We met at a track meet. Um, we didn't really get to exchange numbers the whole track meet. Um, and as I'm about to leave, I'm like, I'm on the bus, like, fuck guys. I never, I, had to, I never got to saw this. I never got to talk to this girl again. Like I, I won't give her my number and no one on the bus believed me. No, like I was just talking about her the whole fucking track meet. And as we're about to leave, I look out and she's standing right there and I'm like, yo, yo, that's her. That's her. And everybody's <laughs> like, oh shit, she is bad. Dope. Cool. So I'm like, yo coach, can I go out and talk to this girl? He's like, nah, we're about to leave. So I'm like, okay. Okay. So I get her attention. We're like looking at each other, at each other. I can't go talk to her. So I was like, okay, how do I get her my number? So I wink my, and a finger gun. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like hand signaled my phone number to her mm -hmm. through the window. And she, I thought she was going to put it in her phone. She didn't have a phone. So I'm like, fuck, she's not going to, she's not going to remember my number. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, like that night I get a text from her and she's like, Hey, like, I'm glad you. I'm glad you did that. This is this is straight out of a movie. It's it, it, it is it is it really is like and I, I mean we talked we texted a little bit like I she went this is she lived in Bloomington we were we were in at Bloomington North for a track meet I was back in Indy so like we texted a little bit didn't really get to like talk never got to really see each other so it just kind of fizzled out. Mm -hmm. Sure enough, uh, my sophomore year actually interesting enough at a Solarview concert our spring concert um, after we get done with it yeah. After we get done with it, I'm out in the crowd talking to people, and here comes this girl walking down the out <laughs> down the down the aisle, and she's like, "Hey, walking down the aisle, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, and, baby! Man, what kind of context I, are we talking about?" I've never been at a loss for words more than this moment in my life, and I'm just like, "Hi, what are you, what are you doing here?" And she's like, "She's like, I'm actually transferring here because um, she played D1 basketball in Tennessee." Um, transfers mm -hmm. she's like yeah i'm transferring to iu next year i'm, I'm gonna try and be a solo review and i'm like yo like, this is this, this is, is crazy this is it <laughs> raps. And, and so yeah i spent the whole summer just kind of like you know just waiting she comes um we started talking hanging out a little bit i fell in love really quick probably because i've been in love from the jump um mm -hmm. and it was kind of just like a game of cat and mouse the, like the whole time <laughs> um i mean if anyone's ever been in a relationship with someone that doesn't seem all that interested but is still giving them it's it's like it's like pulling the string and then just kind of letting up pulling the string again and man i just i was i was stuck i was stuck all my friends saw it um all my best friends best friends were like bro she's not the one like you you can't do this you can't she's not gonna look at you the same like you're looking weak right now and i'm just like ah it's cool like we're good trust me like i know how it looks but like trust me when we're chilling like it's real for the most part yeah there's frustrations but it's cool and like it's man i was i was stuck i was lost and honestly just blinded by love and 
I mean, now I'm really interested because mm-hmm. Mike and Alex wrote this about me in a time where like it was frustrating, but it was still like I was in it. Um, and it wasn't always that bad. It wasn't always terrible. I don't want to make it sound like she's just a god awful person. She wasn't, and she's not. It's just mm-hmm. I think we definitely both appreciate different things and communicate love very differently. Um, and it just took a lot of time to come to terms with that. But um, yeah, we through a lot of ups and downs, mistakes made on both ends. Um, we kind of just came to terms with we just we're just not working. To to care about someone so much, speaking more specifically, um, like the relationship that like Dexter and myself have, uh, and to see them fight so hard for something and just not be able to get it is like torture to everybody involved. So this is me from like the unbiased, well, definitely biased third party. Um, But it it just starts to like affect everybody around you. Um, You know, I I feel like I was a part of that relationship in a sense. Um, And kind of where it gets interesting for me and, uh yeah like songwriting is something that like some days you'll sit down and you say i'm gonna make time to write to write today and that's great and it's a it's like a muscle and you absolutely should do that because the more you work at it the better you'll get you'll start to kind of see shapes and patterns and formulas and things that really work for you but then there's the things that you just understand (laughs) and unfortunately a lot of the things that we under well not unfortunately, um, but as you take it for what it is, a lot of the things that we learn are from bad experiences. It's the best way to learn. And um, when you have such a vivid picture in your mind, like I'm a very visual person, when you have this just like blood red image painted in your head, it's impossible to not write a song about it. You're just like, you know, someone's like, hey, what are you doing? You're like, I'm writing a song. They're like, oh, cool, about what? You're like, I'm already done with three verses. Like, <laughs> like I'm already halfway there, you know, kind of deal. But, yeah, sparing, like, long stories. It's just something that really hit home with me and one of my strong suits and something that I am so incredibly appreciative for is my ability to write songs about my close friends' lives. I I have a harder time writing about my own life, but when I can, again, visual person, when I can see something happening in front of me, especially with two people that I love, it just, the, the picture paints itself. After discussing On My Feet, move into discussing another song of theirs called Unity. Um, well, initially, I was in a group called Emergent Theater at IU. And um, as I mentioned earlier, like, my grandma kind of always kind of piqued my interest in, like, all forms of art. Um, in Emergent Theater, everyone knew I could sing, so it was more about trying to find what other ways I'm capable of expressing myself and I started to play around a lot with spoken word um I've always been really interested in people's speeches um 
ethos, pathos, all that stuff. I mm-hmm. I never really cared too much to know how to properly use it because it seems somewhat manipulative in a way. Mm-hmm. But the fact that that's a thing, the fact that there are certain techniques used in how to like capture a room with just your words, mm-hmm. without a voice, without you know a cadence, just your words alone was really fascinating to me. Um, and emergent theater kind of let me just practice at that. So um, we were working in some, we were doing some workshop and they said, write four lines that come to mind immediately. And I wrote, deemed worthy of public execution. I'm beginning to take it as a copy. Deemed worthy of public execution. I'm beginning to take it as a compliment. And like, that kind of scared me just because like, that's a, (laughs) that's a a kind of scary line. It's a heavy hitter. Yeah. And. I just couldn't like after I read those lines throughout like the whole little workshop session. I don't even remember what we were specifically doing in that session, but like I just kept reading those lines. And I was like, damn, like it's a it's a really scary like the fact that that just like came out of me. One more one more thing that I and the reason that because some people may be like, well, why did he put the verse he wrote last as the very first verse? Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, I, the way I pictured it. I've I've pictured it in a lot of different ways, mainly because before I joined the band, I was wanting to make a music video around this song and um, create it from the perspective of three different people. Um, the first verse being a black man that's angry. Um, the second verse being a black man that is just sad and tired. Um, and then the third verse being... I th- I've... I honestly see the third verse kind of being more so my mindset, as at least as of late. Um, I think all three are definitely versions of me. I would assume so because I, I came out of me. But <laughs> the third one mainly being me just because it's like my my personal biggest frustrations that stay is the frustrations in our community, um, which is where I address quit calling niggas bitches and tricks and stay at Sister Brothers League and also like bringing everyone together intentions look honestly i'm sick of this shit we need to quit calling each other niggas bitches and tricks and it's dead sisters brothers leaders women and men because community should be worth more than conversation because i i'm lucky enough to be black and i'm lucky enough to have grown up opposite of what most of my black friends did which is in geist around like i i was one of six black people that i grew up hanging out with like and we hung out because we were the only black people in guys like (laughs) it's like you know knowing how fortunate i was i know i don't i i'm not capable of going into the hood and saying everything that i that i see it's something that has to start in that house it's like i would never walk in my friend's house and be like yo even though I see it clear as day, like Mike, like I can see it, like you and your dad have a fucked up relationship. So you have, you can't make guy friends or like you and your mom are just, you grew up like competing with each other. So now you and Susie aren't friends because you're the same. She reminds you of your mom. Like, but I can't, it's, it's, that's something for someone else to realize in their own time and then to address in their household and then bring, once you would fix your house, you can fix your neighborhood. Once you fix your neighborhood, you can fix your community. Once you fix your community, you can change the world. <laughs> but it's a process. So, um, but at the same time, I'm fortunate enough, fortunate enough to know people that are living in the hood, people that are living in in that life 
of fear of not only a white man, but also the dude living down the street from them. That's just as broken, just as hungry. And so, you know, I just, I like that I was capable of going through that, the full mindset. I say, um, when people say the games need to change and I'm going to be the quarterback. I'm going to stack a million, then give it back. Cause see, they say the games need to change and I'm going to be the quarterback. Look, I'm the premonition of the demolition of this hypnotician. And that's a made up word, but you get it. And like, it's a, it's, I, I'm a person, I, I come from listening to hip hop, so I respect like bars. Like I need, <laughs> you got to have bars when you talk to me and I want to, I want to speak to intellectual people. So I want to say it in ways that is easy enough to catch, but still like, okay, this dude's talented and is really trying to say something. And mm -hmm. that was like, essentially once we turned unity into a real song, that was like the main goal of it. Um, and I'm still to this day not even like completely happy with the execution of Unity on the project. But after a few takes, um, the last two verses of it, I had cried. Mm -hmm. And they were just like, yeah, no, we, we have to keep this. Like, I wouldn't have fought for anything else on that album mm -hmm. other than that moment. And when someone is reduced to tears in a studio and you are lucky enough to capture that, it could be like the worst moment of their life or like the most grand realization. You don't get rid of that. You do the exact opposite. You cherish and preserve that moment in the best way that you can. Exactly, exactly 66 weeks ago, we were considering changing our name from Huckleberry Funk. Just because we've, we, after hearing a few insights from people, it's like, you know, it might be taken more serious if you change your name. Mm -hmm. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> business, <laughs> business, business. <laughs> but we, so first, Rob being the person that he is, he comments oh, a fuck ton of band names, one of them being Eargasm. <laughs> um, band that ass over. Um, <laughs> Plead the fifth of vodka and George. That's probably Bush, a good place to stop. George <laughs> and George Bush did nine eleven. I like that one a lot. But <laughs> okay. <laughs> but okay. So anyway, going moving forward, um, a, a bunch of comments were going around. People were like commenting back and forth, saying they like some of his. And then he goes, he added himself actually. And he goes, <laughs> Such a after Rob some move. thought, I want to rescind my pre my. Uh, precious comment my previous comment mm -hmm. funk is more than a genre it's an attitude it's the spirit of putting your essence into the music it's the feeling of leaving your soul on the stage you can play a trap song bang out a country tune spit some cool r&b sound and it all can still have some funk in it george clinton in parliament played some soul pop melodies and it was still all funk i say keep the name but that's just my two cents You know, there are other bands in town right now, friends of ours in uh, groups like Fat Pockets and groups like Side Hustle, um, who, you know, at, at first, and, and this is like, you know, just like put it all out on the table, like be honest. You know, when people like us see see these groups, um, you know, there, there are days where we're like comparing, you know? or like being being jealous or being overly competitive about it um but i think it speaks volumes to um say that at least personally like 
I'm just happy that this music is getting through to people. I don't care who does it. Like, I, this is not for fame. This is not for glory. This, like, music, I, people always ask me, or, or not people don't always ask me, but when people ask me, why do you like music so much? Like, what what is it that gets you? My my answer, and I, it's so simple, but I, I just really mean it, is that it it makes it, it's one of the only things in the world that I've found that makes me happy, and makes other people happy at the same time. And maybe or like, and happy is not even like the feeling that you're always going for, but like it has the ability to. Um, so to just be a part of kind of like a mini movement you know it it's remarkable and um to anybody you know making contributions to that hell yeah keep going you know we're we're all in this together it's a community thing the the whole idea is that we spread a good message we inspire change and we make ends meet Thank you all for listening to the first episode of The Musician's Muse. Stay tuned for more content in the future, and be sure to check out Huckleberry Funk on both Spotify and iTunes. Mm-hmm.